Welcome to sermons from First Alliance Church, equipping you to become a fully devoted and faithfully engaged disciple of Jesus. Here's today's message. Does she have with her, and why is she bringing this to the front? Well, I do promise you that if you give me your attention for the next several minutes, you will find out. Good morning. My name is Leonor Lopes, and I'm one of the pastors here at First Alliance Church. And I really want to thank Tanya and Jessica and Nathan as well for your invo- involvement in our service this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time, and thank you for the opportunity to share your word. Holy Spirit, I pray that you come into our midst and be with us. Amen. So today's January the 30th, and Christmas wasn't too long ago. I'm sure you still remember some of the gifts you received, and I would say that if you think about them, you probably classify them as some of great gifts and some maybe not so great. Maybe some have to be returned, but that's just the way things go. And I'd ask you, if you reflect over all the gifts you've received throughout your life, you can probably put them into categories. There are some that you put at the very, very bottom, that you kind of just look at and say, oh, okay, thank you very much, but you'd rather do without. Those are the bottom type of gifts. And then you get some really, really good gifts, and then you get some best gifts. And even when the, in the best category, there are the best of the best. Think of one of those gifts right now. And if you're online, if you want to put it in the chat box, I welcome you to do that. Who gave you that gift? And how did it make you feel? Well, this morning, I'd like to share one of my best gifts. I've been very fortunate over my life to have received many best gifts, but I couldn't bring all of them, and some of them are too big, and some of them were experiences, but I did find one at home that I could come and demonstrate to you. There's this little teapot here, and for some of you who do not like tea, you may be thinking to yourself, okay, I'm glad it's not my gift, and that's good, because it's my gift. Why is this so important to me? As I reflect on that, and I think to myself, what makes a gift the best of the best. And I've come up with a couple of things. First of all, the gift has to give me a benefit or give you a benefit if you're the recipient. If if you can't use it, if it's not something that you can use or that you really like, it's not really giving you a benefit. It's kind of like your grandparents knit you a scarf, but you don't wear scarves. It's kind of like, thank you, grandma, thank you, grandpa, and you kind of put it away because you don't use it, but you still appreciate the thought. Well, this gift here, was given to me by our youngest child. And it does, give me a per, uh, it does serve me a benefit because I'm a tea drinker. The next thing that makes a gift the best of the best is, is that it's made especially for you. A lot of thought has gone into it. So she painted this herself, and if you notice, somewhere over here, there's three little trees. And those trees symbolize her and her siblings. Well, of course, if she gives that to me, that's very important to me. So it was made especially for me. It was not something that she kind of just walked by, you know, the the clearance section and just grabbed something and go. No, she put a lot of thought into it, and she made it especially for me. The third thing that makes a gift a really special, the best of the best, is that there's a cost to the giver. Okay. In this case, as a university student, and as many of you who are students will know, there's two things that university students are always short of and that is free time and money. So she took her hard-earned money that she earned that summer washing windows, and I tell you, that was a hard job, and she went out and bought this teapot. But not only that, 
She took her time to paint it, and then to glaze it, and then to wrap it all up and give it to me. So that was my gift. And that's the nature of good gifts, the best of the best. They make us feel valued, and they make us feel loved. And did you know what love makes us do? Love makes us feel confident. If you're truly loved, you tend to be more confident than those who are not loved. You feel more secure. Love lessens stress. You feel much more alive as well. And you're much better to reach your potential. When you feel loved, did you know that in your brain, you have more dopamine and oxytocin levels that surge. And those give you feelings of excitement, pleasure, attachment, safety, and trust. And love also makes you more willing to sacrifice for the object of your love. Love is a great thing. Last week, Pastor Andrew told us that Romans chapter 5 unpacks a lot of the glories of the implications of this new life in Christ. And today I want to talk to you specifically about one of those implications. And I'm sure that you'll agree at the end that it is one of the best gifts, and probably better than all the best gifts in your best category. So let's go back to the scripture that Tanya just read for us in Romans chapter 5. And if you're using your pew Bible, it's on page 914. And I'd like us to focus on um, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we are still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. In chapters 1 to 4, Paul is really focusing on making sure that the Roman church understands correct doctrine. And now he's giving us more. He wants the, the Romans to also experience God. And he's, also, he's given them a lot of information about the justification of, by faith that we don't earn our salvation, that is a gift from God. And here in this verse, he puts a new spin on it. Let me put it in a perspective for you. All of us have times in our lives that we are ashamed of. Maybe we've really messed up on something, or we've done something wrong, or we didn't do something that we should have done, but we feel ashamed of it. And it's not something that we want other people to know about. We tend to hide it, or we want to forget about it altogether. And some of you may be thinking right now, I hope she doesn't ask us to put this in the chat. Relax, I'm not. But I do want you to go back to one of those points in your life. And I want you just to remember that shame. It, this was probably one of the times in your life where is the worst version of who you are. I want you to know that Christ looked at you at that very moment, at your worst self, and said, you're worth dying for. That is a great gift. What radical love. And I think that this love did cost the giver something. It does give us a benefit, and it shows us how loved we are. If great gifts make us feel loved, how much more should this great gift? And if human love makes us feel more confident and secure and alive and much better able to reach our potential, how much more should this love? How much more should we be experiencing abundance in our life? Because that is what God wants for us. He came to give us life abundantly. However, unlike human gifts that we can actually touch and manipulate and feel, 
This gift is a divine reality, and it's supernatural. We, on the other hand, are natural beings, and we're not spiritual. We're unspiritual. So we look at it from our human perspective, and from our human perspective, we can't comprehend and we can't appreciate this gift. It takes the Holy Spirit to translate us from this human natural plane to the supernatural plane and to understand this great gift that God has poured into our hearts. And in, cha- in verse 5 of this uh, chapter, it says that the Holy Spirit, God pours his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And the word pour indicates liberally. It's not a couple of drops that you get. It's liberal, literally, uh, liberally poured into our hearts. And this is the gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's very personal presence that was left on this earth to be our guide, our advocate, and to love us and strengthen us and heal us. The Holy Spirit does all these things. And so often, as Christians and as followers of Jesus, we sometimes forget about the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Holy Spirit. We talk about the triune God. We know it's God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. But we really focus on God and Jesus, and somehow the Holy Spirit gets forgotten or just doesn't get as much attention. But we have to remember that God is, the Holy Spirit is God's presence. If we look at the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, we see the Holy Spirit being active. Right at the beginning of the Bible, in Genesis 1.1, it says that the Spirit hovered over the waters. So the Spirit was there in creation. And if we go to the other extreme, to the Revelations, the last book of the Bible, we see that John, who was one of Jesus' followers, was writing some very, very important letters to the churches. And he did this through the Spirit. And everywhere in between, we see the Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Spirit would sometimes come upon judges, warriors, prophets, and give them some phenomenal superhuman strength to be able to accomplish something. At other times, the Spirit gave people artistic abilities. There's a guy named Bezazel in the Old Testament who was an artist, and he was extremely skilled in in working with gold, silver, and bronze. And this gift was clearly given to him by the Holy Spirit. And continuing through the Old Testament, we see that the Holy Spirit uh, uh, foreshadowed again and again and again, sorry, the Old Testament, we see promises or foreshadowing that the Spirit would come and transform the human heart so that we could love God better and that we could love our neighbor and we could love creation. Then we come to the New Testament and we're introduced to Jesus. And here we see Jesus at the very, very beginning of his ministry. He's being baptized. And when he's baptized, the spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove. And at that point, he begins his public ministry. And we see that it is through the power of the spirit that Jesus works. All the miracles that he did, the healing, the the raising people from the dead, the giving the good news to the poor, the forgiving of people who needed forgiveness, all of this was done through the power of the Holy Spirit. And while Jesus was alive, he gathered some disciples with him, some followers, and they followed him for the three years. They lived with him. They learned from him, and he was right there with them. But at that moment in time, they did not have the indwelling spirit and the Holy Spirit in their lives. And we can kind of see as we uh, read through the scriptures, how, much, how many times they fumbled. Although they loved Jesus, 
they couldn't follow him to the end. They all scattered in fear and left him alone. So Jesus dies, and then he's raised again, and then he appears to his disciples, and the disciples are absolutely dumbfounded. He's alive. He's with them. And he gives them a, cha- uh, he gives them a command to go and make disciples of all nations. But he tells them, stay in Jerusalem until you've received the gift from on high. And so they all go back, the men and the women, and they go back to the supper room, and they're praying, and they're praying, and they're praying. In Acts, the second chapter, a wonderful thing happens. As they're in this room praying, the room starts to shake, and a violent wind comes through it, and then everyone is filled with the Holy Spirit, and you can see these tongues of fire on top of everybody's head. The Holy Spirit is now indwelling these believers, and everything for them changed. These fearful people became very courageous and very bold. Peter went out and preached that day, and 3,000 people were added to the church that one day. At another time, another follower named Philip was uh, baptizing someone, and suddenly he disappears, and he reappears somewhere else. Uh, They were able to pray, and, and people were healed. But not only that, they faced some very, very hard times. Persecution fell through them. And Peter, on one day, he was, he was scheduled to, um, to die the next morning. And what's he doing? He's sound asleep in a prison cell. Believe you me, if I was going to die the next morning and I knew it, I probably wouldn't be sleeping. But he was. He was filled with the Holy Spirit who gave him that peace in a difficult time. So it was the Holy Spirit who gave them this power. And this is who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit does. It gives us the ability to comprehend and experience the love of God, and appreciate that love, and, 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 and transports us from the natural plane to the supernatural plane. The Holy Spirit equips us, empowers us, and fills us. When we become sp- uh, followers of Jesus, the Spirit comes to indwell us. What a great gift we are given. But the problem is, sometimes we just don't tap into this gift, either because we're not really sure, we don't know, but we just don't tap into this gift. It's like we're given one of these supercomputers that can calculate one trillion operations per second, and we take that computer and all we do with it is send emails. That's a total waste of a computer, okay? And this is what it is like. We've given this great gift and we don't tap into the Holy Spirit. We are missing out on all that, the potential that's there. When we become followers of Jesus, We come to Jesus like this, and if the Holy Spirit wants to pour into us, obviously it can't. I won't pour because I'll have a mess to clean up later, but you'll get the picture. It cannot go in as this one does. It will fall over. So if this is our heart, you can't receive that power. We can't receive that peace and that hope that comes. We don't really understand uh, the, the power and the love of the Holy Spirit and the love of God that comes through the Holy Spirit. So some of us are, are, are saved, but then we try to walk the Christian life in our own strength. And we will find very quickly, that's not a very exciting life. It's difficult, and it's a cycle of defeat. So sometimes we ask to open up our hearts to the Holy Spirit. But you'll notice that this particular heart is not empty. What's inside our hearts? When the Holy Spirit comes to us, the Holy Spirit starts to fill our hearts, but starts to move things around and make us aware of some things that probably we didn't even know was in there. And the Holy Spirit wants to deal with that because some of these things are um, blocking our potential to be who we are. Or 
they're causing us to be insecure. Or it goes on and on and on. These things hinder us. So the Holy Spirit starts to work in them. Maybe brings it to our attention. So what are some of these things? There's evil systems that we have bought into that so permeate our society that don't, we don't even understand we've bought into them. Let me give you an example. Do you know at what age a female peaks at her level of confidence? At the great old age of nine. By the age of nine, this is all some studies that have been done. By the age of nine, young girls start to get the message that they are other through all the messages of our media and our world that permeates through this. This is some of the things that we buy into without even realizing it, and it affects us. Equally, young boys receive similar messages about what it is to be a boy, and we are affected by these as well. Another thing that's in our heart that's so deep that we might not even understand is that we don't feel valued unless we're contributing to society. So what happens when you re reach age 70? or 75, and you can't contribute like you used to. How many senior citizens will say, oh, I'm just an old person? Just. We buy into these things. Or what if you uh, battle with a disability? Or what if you battle with depression? You will feel so bad because you've bought in, we've all bought in, make people make us feel that we're just not as valuable because we can't contribute to society. So many lies that we believe, and we, make, and we live as though they are truths. Our materialistic consumer world gives us a lot of lies. That we won't be happy until we own this, or we own that, or we own the other thing. And so we keep buying, and we keep buying, and we keep mass producing. There's nothing wrong with buying. I'm talking about a system, and I'm talking about an entire nation, and an entire society, and an entire culture that buys into this. And we build our culture on this. And what happens when we build our culture on this constant buying and producing and buying and producing? Well, we destroy our environment, for one thing. Uh, there is the increase in slave trade and in child labor for this uh, constant rush and desire to keep buying and producing. These are some of the lies that we buy into. Other things in our hearts that the Holy Spirit will point out are deep wounds that we have. Some of us have lived through very traumatic experiences. Maybe we've been betrayed or rejected. Maybe we've been exposed to all kinds of abuse. And although we may have gotten over them and we're outwardly living a life that seems that we're well adjusted, those wounds and scars are still there. And God wants to go to those hearts through the Holy Spirit and heal them. Sinful patterns that we've bought into. Sometimes, especially in our de developmental age, ages when we're children growing up, we sometimes fall into patterns just to cope with what it is that we have in our lives. And some of those coping strategies may not be good. They may be sinful and they may be harmful. But then we continue with them as adults. So for example, how many of us have a very, very unhealthy relationship with food? We eat food not just to satisfy our emotional needs, uh, sorry, our, our physical needs. We use food to meet our emotional needs. Some of the deep um, emotional needs that we have, instead of going to God, we go to food. And then what happens? Weight gain, diabetes, and so on. Sometimes we've been really, really hurt, and we have unforgiveness in our hearts. 
And God knows that unforgiveness binds us to the person who hurt us. So God wants us to forgive. And we cannot forgive on our own strength. It would be the Holy Spirit who would help us to do that and give us the liberation. Something else that we might find in our hearts that the Holy Spirit points out is our negative thinking pattern. Have you ever thought about what you think about? I challenge you to do that sometime this week. Take some time and just sit and think back over the last half hour, what were some of the things you thought of? You'd be amazed at how many of those are negative thoughts. I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm too tall, I'm too short, I'm too stupid, I can't do that. That's too much for me, I just will not be able to be successful. We, have to have such, we tend to have such a negative outlook on life. Paul tells his listeners in Rome this truth because he wanted the Romans to understand the foundational truth of, of Christianity and he wanted them to have the right experience of God. For us sometimes, our understanding of this truth is skin deep. So therefore, we're not dynamic followers of Jesus. We know the truth that Jesus died for us and it stays in our head. It hasn't been grounded in our hearts. And the way for it to move from our head to our hearts is through the Holy Spirit. Because, remember I said, we are, as natural human beings, unspiritual. It is the Holy Spirit that moves us to the spiritual element. It is the Holy Spirit who wants to come to us and to pour into our hearts God's love. To bring healing to those wounds. To make us aware of some of the lies that we've bought into and to correct our thinking. This process at times may be painful as we uproot buried pain but it leads to healing and wholeness. In the year 2020, I followed a very close friend of mine as she journeyed through cancer. From, from, the, from the time of diagnosis to her last cancer treatment, it was a very long and difficult journey, extremely difficult watching it. But I, I know that for, in order for, her to be, for the cancer to be eradicated from her heart, from her body, she had to go through that difficult, painful process. And likewise, although sometimes we go through pain, it is painful to, to come through a point of healing and wholeness because we have to revisit some of those dark parts of our lives, the Holy Spirit is gentle and will never push us beyond what we can go. And will be there strengthening us through the whole process. So the question remains, are we ready, willing to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit, to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us through a healing journey to wholeness and abundance. The spirit is gentle. Our vision prayer for this church states, make us a body of people so transformed by your word and spirit that our community, nation, and world will know you as the way, the truth, and the life. This transformation requires that we surrender completely to the Holy Spirit. A small, simple group in that early church were able to turn their world upside down. Imagine what this church can do to this for this community. I recognize that those of you who are listening are at all different places in your experience with the Holy Spirit. Some of you have, may have not really given the Holy Spirit much thought. And for you, I encourage you to open yourself up to the Holy Spirit, for the Holy Spirit is God's presence. For some of you, you've experienced what the Holy Spirit can do. And you know and you can see how suddenly you begin to change. Something that used to bother you a long time ago is no longer bothering you. The Holy Spirit has been working in you. And for you, I encourage you to keep going. There's so much more that the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. 
And for those of you who've had a long walk and experience with the Spirit, and you know how much the Spirit has done, I say to you, there's no end to the depth of the love, of the love that God is pouring into you through the Holy Spirit. So you too keep going. As a church, we need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, individually and collectively. Just imagine how we could reach this community if all of us were transformed by the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your power. We thank you that you are God's presence. That Jesus said before he went that he would leave you here with us to guide us, to be our advocate, and to transform us. So I pray, God, that we would be completely transformed by you to be more like Jesus, that our community, nation, and world would know you as the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. For more on us as a church and ways to connect, please visit us online at firstalliancechurch.org.